Dave. Hey, did anything interesting happen this week? Not a thing. Really? So quiet. No. Yeah. Dicks be flying. Uh, everywhere. And not in the good way. Not at all in a good way. Dicks are flying left. Unwanted dicks, I should say, are flying left and right. What and a- sometimes they're in the form of hands. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. or just a person who's a dick. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Doing things and um, – and I'm, you know, you know who's the like, the only group of people who are gonna who are gonna take the brunt of this whole thing? Yeah, is gay dudes because of Kevin fucking Spacey. Oh God! You know Was what it, I mean? Did it really blow your mind? First of all, I mean to learn that he's gay. What God a, what a shock! Kevin fucking. All right, listen. I have never actively sought out uh, Kevin Spacey as a creep story. Uh huh. I have like a dozen. On the record, yeah. well sourced, absolutely. Kevin Spacey is a creep story. Same, and and like and it's it is ridiculous to me that he has never been out. Oh yeah, uh, and it is ridiculous to me the way that he came out. Well, it's, it's it's astonishing to me that he thought that any of this was a good idea, especially when he made such a point in in, in the interviews and people did try to ask him of being of, of saying like I'm never going to address that, and then yeah. to, to act as if. Like this is some kind of courageous act. It's so, I, like Ira Madison said it so well that this was uh, he he conflated he managed to conflate you know pedophilia with gayness yeah, yeah. in a way that is so offensive that is it, it, and it's so it's still so baked into our culture yeah. that that is what like I look back at when I came out to my friends and family in in the early nineties and how. How much work I felt that I had to do yeah. to convince them that I wasn't a predator. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't even think I wasn't I wasn't consciously doing it. But in my head, I thought like my my number one job is to ease everyone's mind around me mm-hmm. and let them know that I am not a risk to their children. Oh God! Do you know, it's, it's because, such an odd thing to be aware of. And, yeah, you know, and it's like it's already a fucking hard thing to do. Yeah, but like that additional burden is like you look back on it, it's like wh- how how did I survive that? Yeah, you know, and just when you anybody survive that, we're thinking that we're in sort of in an okay place in terms of like the cultural conversation about mm-hmm. that. Fucking Kevin Spacey yeah. comes along and lobs this, drags in there. us back four decades. And I'm going to say something that I, I've said this about Woody Allen many times too is that I'm I, I in just on a more superficial level find it very uh, freeing that now it's okay to say I don't care for their work. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. Kevin Spacey was that fucking great. Yeah, I always feel like the acting. Oh, you know, I, like yeah. it's it's he's never natural ever. And I the, always see it, the choices. It, it, it's he is so dull. And I I remember seeing in college, seeing him uh, do the Iceman Cometh on Broadway. Slept through the whole thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm just it just makes me so fucking angry because because here's the thing, Harvey Weinstein and <sighs> and and Brett Ratner, and you know the long list of creeps. Yeah. You know that that people are are finally coming out and telling their stories. This is a good thing. It's a good thing for culture yeah. that people are empowered to tell their stories. And it's and it. I hope that there will be some sort of consequences for those individual people. But but ultimately, nothing's going to change for the heterosexual male because the average 
like the average heterosexual male is not defined by Jeremy Piven's actions. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's it's a broad enough category that it's like, oh, we ought to do something about that. And we talk a good game for a while. And I hope something good does come of that. I hope there are more women in powerful roles. Yes. And I, I really – I hope that, that there is lasting change. But one thing that will not change is that like pr- primarily white heterosexual male, males will still run – Everything. They don't have to take a step back because Harvey Weinstein was handsy. You know what I mean? They don't have to relinquish anything. But now, like, I – and I – you know, it's – I have – when I came out – I'm sorry. I'm getting hot under the collar. But when I I came out, like, publicly, I was, like, a cable TV host with $300 in the bank. You know what I mean? (laughs) At the end of my first job, no idea if I was going to get a second. And I have been told – to my face, like with other people in the room, like not in confidence. I've been told to my face when I've come like down to the wire on a job and it's me and another guy, yeah. the other guy gets it because it's a family show oh. and I'm an out-of-the-closet person. Yeah. So I did some shit when I had some stuff to risk. You know what I mean? Yep. So for Kevin Spacey now, after after like being a fucking creep for decades and being like all cutesy pie about coming out of the closet and mm-hmm. like dancing around it and everybody knows and whatever, getting all the privilege in the world, now trying to def- to deflect consequences for his own actions by being like, well, I'm one of you. You are not one of me, Kevin Spacey. No. You are not one of us. No. That does not fucking work. Hell that no. is not going to work. Well, you know what? By the, I want to read two things that uh, friends of the show wrote. One is – Please. Uh, Jeffrey Self. I have Self. a sip of some fucking cold Yeah, blood. Jesus Get Christ. Ganked up on that stuff like I am. Uh, Jeffrey Self wrote the the majority – he wrote a long post that everybody should read the whole thing. But um, he, he said, the majority of gay men in Hollywood are not predators. There are incredibly kind, good-hearted gay men out there who actually do want to help each other move forward. The Kevins of the world are not our community, but until executives, producers, and casting directors give them them the opportunities they deserve, predators like Spacey will continue to misrepresent a remarkably supportive community of good people. Hollywood, do better. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey Self. Thank you, Jeffrey Self. Got to get him in here. Oh, yeah. He's coming. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, y'all. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I just worry, and I'm glad – you know what? I'm glad we have this venue. I'm glad yeah. we have this show mm-hmm. so that people can talk about their lives openly and, and so that we can actually move culture forward. Yeah. Because I really do think I, – I, I hope I'm wrong, but I do think that like his selfishness and, and just and stupidity actually like moved us back. Yeah, it's 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 really sad. Yeah, and but I mean, it, like we are just in this weird moment where all of these stories that everyone has already known are mm-hmm. suddenly breaking mm-hmm. in, in, in quotes. Right. Where it's it's not really, I guess, to maybe Middle America, it's mm-hmm. it's news, but it, it's it's so odd when things that have just been just beneath the surface the whole time, we're suddenly all acknowledging it. Right, and right. Like it's 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 such an odd tipping point that we're. Which, by the way. I want to mention Louis C.K. Your next bitch. Oh, I can't imagine he's how how he's sleeping. You know, oh. because it, yeah, I you know you hear I mean you hear stories about yeah. a lot of people, yeah. and it's 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 tricky because what is to be done? You know what I mean? You yeah. don't you don't, you don't have proof of anything, but everybody hears stories about people, and now now it's like now people are going on the record. Um, I mean, God, I don't know what else to say about it. We should clarify that our guest today, who mm-hmm. is a real superstar, this was pre-recorded. He did not have a chance to weigh in yeah. on usually, this. Yeah, usually our guests are here when we when we do our little intro. Mm-hmm. This time we pre-recorded it because young Joel Kim Booster 
was just coming through town. Very busy man. He's a busy man. We breezed only, uh, in, shook his titties at us, breezed back out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that he uh, is, you know, just as horrified by all of this as we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope so. Um, I'm assuming that he is. Yeah. He's a sensible guy. Well, I'm going to speak, speak on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's uh, let Joel Kim Booster come let, in and do funny things. We'll be back with more Joel after the break. Homophilia is supported by the hit Showtime comedy series, Shameless. I love Shameless. It's a really good show. I love the feeling of being shameless and the show. The show itself. Being shameless. Also great. Where the struggle is outrageously real for Frank and Fiona and the rest of the Gallagher clan. Mm -hmm. They're back. They're more dysfunctional than ever. And they're living that South Side life on their terms with no exception. Shameless has changed the game. That is a direct quote from the Huffington Post, my friend. Wow. The only place to see new episodes is on Showtime. Uh, William H. Macy, Emmy Rossum, new season of Shameless, starting November 5th, only on Showtime. Can I tell you what has revolutionized my kitchen? Tell me. The Joule sous vide machine. The the who? Joule, J-O-U-L-E, sous vide. Uh, Here's what you do. It's, uh, It's a style of cooking that some fancy restaurants used to do, mm-hmm. uh, where you submerge your food into like a, a bath of hot water mm-hmm. that is heated to the uh, the temperature that you want your food to be done. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if you put something in the oven at 450 for an hour, you don't want to eat food that's 450 degrees. You want to get that it up to sense. like 180 degrees or whatever. Yeah. But you can undercook it. You can overcook it. Right. With sous vide, you can't. It heats right up to the temperature that you want it, to the doneness level that you want it, and then it just stays there. Whoa. Uh, so I got I got one of these things, and I do it at every meal. I put scrambled eggs in it. Wow. I'm not kidding. Uh, I do fish in it. I do chicken in it. Uh, it is so great. And it's uh, the jewel is connected – to my iPhone. It is Bluetooth and Wi-Fi enabled. What? So I can like put the thing in a, in a pot of water from, you know, from miles away. I can say, uh, we're, you know, we're doing chicken tonight, heat it up to 160. It'll heat up to 160. There are tons of recipes on the Jewel app. Wow. Uh, it is so easy. It is so delicious. And it just makes, it makes everything so perfectly cooked and tasty. Yum. How do I get Jewel? I'll tell you. Uh, you go to Chef Steps. That is Chef Steps dot com slash jewel use the code homophilia you get 15 bucks off for a limited time that is chef steps.com slash j-o-u-l-e code homophilia jewel perfect food every time hey folks we're back we're back with joel kim booster hello Booster, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, you know, uh, I ate at Texas Roadhouse in Maryland a couple days ago, and I have not felt normal since. Mm. Oh, um, what, what are we have? going through? It's just a lot of, like, I just cramps and um, not, I won't call it diarrhea. I wouldn't sully diarrhea's name by calling <laughs> yeah, what yeah, yeah. my body is currently doing to me diarrhea. I can't believe we're starting out this way. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm glad we are actually because I watched your stand-up special this morning, wow, which was such you. a delightful way to spend the morning. Everybody should watch it in the morning. That's I prefer people to watch it in the morning. It's a great Just time up, for comedy. Stretch, oh, watch a comedy yeah, special. Exactly. And yeah. the whole time I was like, wow, his body looks 
Tweet. Uh, Looks good. And Matt, was that all diarrhea in Texas yeah, Roadhouse? That was, that was Texas Roadhouse. Uh, that's your secret. That's the diet. That's a Joel Kim that's Booster what diet. You gotta do. What'd you, you have at a, uh, at a Texas Roadhouse? Well, I took my friend who had never been, and I've never been. What is a Texas? Roadhouse? A Texas Roadhouse is the, uh, the the it's the steakhouse version of an Olive Garden. Basically, oh. it's a big mm. chain restaurant in a restaurant group, and there's peanuts on the ground, peanut shells sure. oh, on the yeah. ground, and you can pick out your steak from the front if you want. Um, and they're famous for an onion blossom okay. uh, appetizer Great. that you can get. Yeah. So we got two appetizers, a salad, and then a meal. Yeah. And what they also bring you um, yeah. an, uh, an onion blossom onion and blossom. Uh, fried pickles, obviously. Oh, wow. And then they also bring you unlimited rolls that have like cinnamon butter on them. Oh, um, God. And then a full salad and then a meal. Oh, um, boy. Which was steak? Uh, no, we didn't. We both got – I got chicken. She got chicken fried steak. So. Interesting. We went all a little off the, off the beaten path. You but went I, all over Texas. Yeah. And I, uh, I got to tell you, I've been regretting it ever since. Yeah, you should. The uh, the I uh, this was some old men's health thing that I had, probably because I had like Ryan Phillippe on the cover, and so I bought <laughs> sure. it. I was like, it's research or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, there was a thing about like the ten worst things that you can order in in chain restaurants, uh-huh. and the number one worst thing is the Bloomin' Onion. And like, really? a lot, like you know, Chili's has theirs, and Outback has theirs, mm-hmm. and Applebee's has theirs, mm-hmm. and whatever. It is, but they're all basically the same yeah. thing. Uh, it is literally five days worth of your recommended daily <gasps> intake of fat. Oh my god! Yeah, and like not good fats, not like avocado yeah. fats. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it is the most delicious thing. I love it, but it will it wasn't even kill that you. good. No, you know, and I worked at the Olive Garden for two years, and I found out post that job that those breadsticks are three hundred and fifty calories per stick. Wow! Oh, shit. And I would eat like easily eight or nine of them a shift and then eat a meal after I'd got up. And mm. so I looked. Oh, man. I used to fuck up those breadsticks. Oh, they're so good. I still go. Salad. I'm devastated. They closed the Olive Garden in Chelsea in New York, and now the only one in New York is in Times Square. And you got to do it sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you got to go. Sometimes I've made do it. so many people take me to the Olive Garden in New York. I've had um, breakups happen <laughs> post going to the Olive Garden in New York. Oh, it's wow. great. We're going to have to get into that. Yes, we absolutely are. For sure. I was just in Chicago, and they love a pretzel bun out there. Mm. And I just had to surrender to it. A pretzel bun? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, a bun that is made of pretzel. Yeah, yeah, got it. Fucking delicious. Mm. It's sort of Deadly. In the in the name, yeah, Matt. couldn't be clearer. It, yeah. Actually, what a pretzel bun is. <laughs> Tolkien Booster, what are you what are you loving these days? What are you what are you well, what are you binging? What you, are you? I am um, I'm watching a lot of of non narrative television because I'm I'm working on um, some other projects and it's hard to watch other people who are already successful at doing the things that mm. you're trying to do. Sure. Um, so I'm watching a lot of American Ninja Warrior. Oh, um, you're in the right I place. love it I so much. can't. It is the most inspiring thing mm-hmm. <laughs> I have ever seen. And the sto- and some of the backstories aren't that great. And yet they the way they're edited and just the triumph of them running this ridiculous obstacle course makes me sob oh, yeah. every time. There's the guy... Um, recently who ran it and he was like, he has alopecia 
And sure. granted, mm-hmm. he's like fully hairless, but jacked and gorgeous. And right. like, and You're he's not like too sorry. For yeah, him. his yeah. package. There are many though, people's fetish. So. Yeah, his package is like him working with kids who have alopecia, and then they like cut back to him about to run the course, and all the kids with alopecia are like holding up signs. And like the whole time going in, I was very resistant because I was like, okay, like you don't have hair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, fine. A lot of people Come don't. on. Um, but then I just found myself weeping as you surrender. ran up that fucking wall. You go up the salmon ladder of emotion. It's true. Right? It's true. What about cowboy Lance Picus and his I poor love- sick wife? Oh God, that truly the, I am a big triumph crier. And whenever a woman gets through the course, yeah, it, oh, I forget it. I am just screaming and, and yelling at the top of my lungs. So what who, is, who's your favorite? My favorite, sorry, I'm just going to no, interject please. here. I have to get this out. My favorite is Weatherman Joe Morofsky. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's adorable. He's he's so great. I he's like, got an understated um, appeal. I like that guy. I like um, – uh, there's a couple of white guys who uh, market themselves as ninjas, um, big fans of those guys. Sure, sure. Um, I'm really a big fan of – I can't remember his name – off the top of my head, but he's like very old and everyone's like, you're too old to be doing this. And he's 39. I want to see. And they're like, what are you doing? You're too old. (laughs) And, um, it's just so funny because they always splash his age across and he's like 39 years old. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't seem that old. What would be, what would, uh, what would you go out on, Mm. on the course? I think I would go out on – there's the one where you run and jump and are uh, hugging yes. a, a oh little thing and it goes down. And, and there's it a goes little ka-chunk drop. in the middle. Yeah. 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 I think that's actually the one that most people got out on, but I specifically I think would go down on that. Actually, yeah. I don't know. I have really good grip strength, so maybe yeah. I wouldn't. Oh, I that's think, what I don't have. That yeah, I don't is, have that either. Yeah, with these long spindly fingers, like you can't – yeah, well, my little doll hands—they get a, you get a hold of something, and they don't let. They go. will not That's let go. Good. Yeah, the salmon ladder would kill me. Wait, what is the prize? I've asked this before, and I can't. yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I just like I'm finally have somebody to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, I gotta say, we talk about American Ninja Warrior on this show a lot more than I expected. Yeah, it's, it's a gayer show than most people think. Uh, the prize, if you make it to the to the top of Mount Midoriyama at the very end, which only one person—no, actually two people—yeah, uh, the same season have ever done then i think you get a million dollars right it's unclear to me in my brain it's like the uh great british bake-off where they're just playing for a tin you know like they're (laughs) just they're playing for a cake plate um (laughs) and just the bragging rights because this is the this is my always my question about these people is some of them present themselves as though this is their full-time job sure like they train they've created gyms for it it seems like it's grown into this like industry in the u.s and it's like how how though are people giving you like sponsors sponsorship deals yeah how is well I'll i'll tell you how ninja gyms Mm-hmm. That's a whole thing now because people yeah. are training for it because they want to be on the show. So it's like there's there's a strong there's an overlap between CrossFit gyms and Ninja gyms. Yeah. So it's the same kind of stuff you do a lot of like deadlifts and whatever. But then they add like a a warped wall that yeah. you got to jump over or whatever the thing that you got to hold on to with your fingertips. I would love to try that. Yeah. Are you uh, a gym person? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. What do you mean? Are, are you a gym per? I mean, do you, is that a regular unfortunately part of your I am? Look yes. at him, Matt. Uh, Look at him. I mean, it's clearly a gym for person. itself, but I truly am. Um, I, yeah, I do. I, I like go, going to the gym. I specifically like going to gyms when I travel. I'm on the road a lot and yeah. I 
uh, I like to visit because it gives you a good cross section of the gay community in that town. Sure, you know? truly. Uh, <laughs> truly. And when you're in New York, are you going to one of the the gayer gyms? No, I go gay? to a gym that is around the corner from my apartment in Brooklyn called Absolute Power Fitness. And, wow, um, it is the world capital of Hasidic men working out in jeans. Okay, so, okay. Right. So we're not getting a lots steam of room cargo pants. With... No, 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 yep. no. Unfortunately, not. I don't think I've ever been cruised there. I've been. Um, I, and I get kind of sad because, like, there's a, a sort of vibe of everyone is friends there, but no one talks to me. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but that makes you work harder. Yeah. No, it really does. Yeah. Earn their love. And uh, I guess because I'm on the road a lot, I, I really enjoy watching um, television in my motel, but I only watch two shows when I'm on the mm-hmm. road, which is um, Law & Order SVU because USA is always playing it. It's yeah, very – very reliable. I don't actually they, – they advertise a lot of shows on USA, but I don't actually think they exist. I think <laughs> that they created trailers to make you think that it's a real network, but they only play Law & Order SVU or Modern Or these or are Modern fake Family. shows that exist within the universe yes. of SVU. Uh, of SVU, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't believe it. And then the other thing that I could watch – all I really want to watch for eight hours – um, in a day is Family Feud <laughs> on, the, yeah. oh, on wow. the Game Show Network. Now, I know you just Old had Louis Vertel in here and he was talking about game shows and he is the, the queen of game shows um, but, but and, and trivia. But give me a good episode of Family Feud. Sure. And here's my thing about this too. Steve Harvey, um, I think he's abhorrent. I think he I is don't like him either. pathologically mm. bad on every layer of his being. But... Uh, he is such a good host of Family Feud. Really? Does oh my God. He is so good because he, he strikes this balance of like being in the show and then with you at home. Like he has a, a, a really great way of making fun of these people and their terrible answers to their faces. But, they but don't he's know so it. charming about it that they just laugh along with him. And then he's so, like every so often he'll be like, that's a good answer. And like he does it so rarely that. It makes you feel so special yeah. when he does sort of like play the game as as well, you know, or when he is like mad that one of the answers up there is stupid. There is a I encourage everyone to YouTube um, Family Feud Steve Harvey and then just the word mom and it'll come up. And cool. it's this family that li- truly it, the question is, is uh, what is another way to say mother? And these women, this family kept saying Mommy was obviously one of the answers. Yeah. Sure. Um, and mom was one of the answers. Uh-huh. And these women kept being like, Mommy? <laughs> and he was like, That's just a different way to say mommy. And they're like, Yeah, right, right. So uh, how about mommy? And it's like, and it truly goes on for seven minutes. They can't get an answer and they don't understand. It's outrageous. And it's so funny. And like, they're, every single episode is a black family versus a white family, which is yep. <laughs> very tense. And then, um, except there is one time. In all of my many hours of watching Family Feud, there was an Asian family on, and they humiliated us all um, (laughs) by their showing. I was scream. I've never screamed at a television with such fury. One of the questions was um, famous threes, like the three blank, Uh and you had to. And so it was like the three little pigs, the three musketeers, etc. And some of the more obvious ones had been picked. And this girl, she he gets to her, and she's just like, um. The three best friends? <laughs> and I was like, no! 
that was like it was so upsetting on a, such a, a primal level that I could not believe it. I could oh not believe God. it. Oh my God. I uh, recently watched a primetime. Uh, family Feud, I guess. I don't know what it was, but oh, it was, was like maybe a celebrity, celebrity one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they, the thing, the element of the show. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Steve Harvey. I, f- I feel like the looks to camera are a little bit too much. Like yeah. I, just, I feel, yeah. I, I feel like I see the work in it more than I want to. Anyway, um, the thing that bothers me most is when they have exhausted all their opportunities to put answers on the board, right? And then it's like, let's see what the three that we didn't see were, right? And then they go, ding, right? And the crowd says them along. Yeah. <laughs> like if that happens organically, that's one thing. <laughs> there was one where it was like something a wife would do to her husband's bald head at bedtime or whatever. So oh, it was like yeah, I remember kiss this. it or rub it or whatever. And then so the one that like nobody got was like – moisturize slash put lotion on it. So ding. Yeah. And the whole – like the poor studio is like – Moisturize, put lotion <laughs> on it. Like just like a chorus of zombies saying oh, this no. meaningless thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a you fascinating show. You know that show. that I, shitty like warm-up comic beat that into their heads oh, yeah. beforehand. Like yes. you say yeah. every word. You don't get another fucking Hershey's kiss. Yeah. Until I, I loved the Celebrity Family Feud. And mm-hmm. Eva Longoria is a savant. Mm. Uh, at Family Feud. You know, at the end of Family Feud, when they pick two people from the family and they have to do like, they have to get up to 200 points, basically. Eva Longoria got 176 on just her try, (laughs) which is unheard of. Mensa Longoria. She got like every single number one answer. I was like, wow. Did you see the one with uh, the, Paul? The, all the no, Paul Shear yeah. and June. No, I didn't see that. It was great. I mean, it was surreal because there. I, I think Steve was very thrown by having people who are funnier than yes. him. You know, sort of running. Well, things. and apparently like, June Diane Rayfield had like an abortion. There was like an abortion moment. Like, oh well, they gave all their winnings to. Yes, Planned Planned Parenthood. At the end of it, he was like, and, you know, $100,000 is going to Planned Parenthood. You feel the audience being like, I don't know if I like this. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. It was amazing. I uh, long ago uh, caught one. I think this is probably in the Ray Combs era. This is like Mm. early 90s, post-Richard Dawson. Don't want it. Pre-whatever. Under the table. Pardon? Don't know who Ray Combs is. He was was the the host of Family Feud. Anyway, uh, it was a a southern kind of a – Prairie family, mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the things at the very end was like when it's the two people, it was the second person, and one of the five questions was something you tell your children not to play with. Her snap answer right off the top of her head: witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah, that's the first. The it's first such thing. a great peek into to like their psych, and it's also like it's sort of there are moments where it, where it's horrifying too, mm-hmm. uh, just like politically where like um they'll be like what is one thing that would make your you leave your husband in an instant and they're like if if he uh cried and like it's just like <laughs> wait what like it, it like goes to those places and you're like oh no like it's like what if he wore woman's underwear, if he showed any weakness at all, if he were even a little bit effeminate, and it's like no, oh my God. this is America. Oh, America, this is you. Yeah, it's um, America's. Well, and I love it when they like us? need to like so they apologize a lot for answers to. They'll mm-hmm. be like, "This isn't this isn't what I would do with my wife on a first date," but uh, anal sex, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're like just so quick to like disavow that yeah. behavior. I love it when there's a gay son. Um, oh, oh man, yeah. I could talk about Family Feud for Let's. hours. Um, anytime there's a clearly gay son, I love it. They all try to high five and never can. Um, <laughs> it's really fun to watch them try to high five. They can't make contact. Is that no? None of them wow. can. And well, and they're clearly coached to be supportive of their family members, even when their family members are saying something deeply stupid and troubling. Sure. Um, and it's just oh god, it's such a beautiful. I like. I want to study it. It's such a good like psychological. I love the idea of being a too gay of a kid to be able to make contact on a high five. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I was a very, very gay child, and I feel like even I could nail a high five. Well, you just Not look at the elbows. Else. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's wow. the thing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a great trick. Yeah, Does and also it gets you out of your head a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you focus on the elbow, boom. Yeah. You make contact. Yeah. I just looked at your crotch. Oh, Joel, Joel, Joel. Who would your uh, Celebrity Family Feud team be? Oh, man, I guess it would just be uh, gay men. So I guess I would want Louis Vertel. I would want Guy Branham. Okay. Um, Both intelligent guys, but would their skills translate? Because this is not a game of intelligence necessarily. Yeah, and I guess Louis especially – hopefully he's not listening. Maybe he is listening. I don't know. This will be a test. Um, No, I actually think Louis would be very good because he grew up in the Midwest. So I think he is connected to real people, even though he gives off of um, a metropolitan, yes, a metropolitan East Coast elite vibe, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, college educated Jeopardy uh, fan. You know, there's a lot of division between Family Feud and Jeopardy fans, you know, Um, he looks down on me. I think he's (laughs) an elitist, you know, because he's Jeopardy and I'm Family Feud, but Uh It is great. There is actually all of they talk. He talked. You guys talked about this in L.A. about like the gay men that are obsessed with trivia, mm-hmm. and um, I hang out with Lewis a lot and and the group of other people that have done Jeopardy or you know are super into trivia, and it's so humiliating. Oh, I'm so intimidated <laughs> by um, the idea of this. I once went with not Lewis, but a friend uh, that I met through Lewis, who's very into trivia, to a Harvard party, Oof. and um, he. <laughs> We he, we were they were standing in a circle doing this like extra hard trivia and I made a friend there and she was like yeah I'm an idiot too and like I don't know any of this and the category was art history Forgot. and I w- they were going around in the circle and, like giving their answers and she even had a guess and I was like okay no you're not on my team because you had a guess like yeah. you had you threw a dart you know and I I wouldn't even know what you didn't have game. a dart you didn't yeah. even yeah it was like architecture oh my god we went to. Palm Springs. This is uh, this is what I love about the gay men that I associate with um, in New York and in LA is that I, we went to Palm Springs, which is like the prototypical like the Fire Island of the West mm-hmm. Coast or yeah. whatever, and it's supposed to be a debauched sort of situation. And we literally just went through old Jeopardy boards like all day long, just all day long doing old Jeopardy boards. And it was an amazing time. That sounds like a dream. It was a fantastic time. And I love, and every time I've gone to Fire Island, I just end up playing a lot of games and reading a lot of books. Mm -hmm. And so whenever people are like, I don't know, Fire Island sort of makes me like uncomfortable. It's such a scene. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I played a game there the last time about designing t-shirts, you know, like I, it is what you want it to be. Make it yeah. whatever you we want. have yet to have anybody who is embodying the true like like Fire Island experience that we have in our heads. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't have access to those people. I mean, and that certainly know. exists. I, I mean, I'll have sex while I'm there. Sure. But like, oh, it okay. is not like, it, it's, it's not as, it's sort of like everybody's doing their, I don't know. I, yeah. But you're not on like the low T, high T I think it depends on, like, I think it truly depends on the people you go with. And I've every, the last three years have gone with a group of men that are like, um, Game people, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, who want to do that, who want to like cook meals together, and they're going in with a different energy. Yeah, and there will maybe be one night where we do Molly, but we're getting older. We can't yeah. do that every night. You make it midweek, so you have a couple uh, a couple days to rest. Exactly. Get the Suicide Tuesday I, out of your system. Yeah. The last three years, I've read three Jane Austen books, start to finish, since I, while I've been there, <laughs> oh and God. I got to tell you, I don't think anybody else gets modern gay. Like social mores more than Jane Austen does. Like, really? do tell. It, it sh- I uh, revisit it because I, I like everybody else had to read one of those books when I was in high school and hated it. And I started again reading them as an adult. And she, it's it, she's incredible. It's they're so funny and like just the the i the the sort of act of like saying one thing and like being shady. Like yeah. Jane Austen is the queen of shade. That's like true. all those That's characters true. and like. Um, I just think like the status, I, my dream is to write and direct a straight to Netflix. What's that production company that does all the gay movies with a little wolf that howls at the beginning? Mm, I don't know. Maybe oh, it's wolf know. media. Actually, I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, anybody who's seen a bad gay movie on Netflix though, has seen, knows exactly what I'm talking about, but I want to do a pride and prejudice adaptation that is just fire Island. And instead oh. of land it's abs you know like, yeah yeah the yes. people you know there's that moment when lizzie like sees his estate for the first time and is like oh this is why he's got so much pride because he's got so much in it i think in my head that scene would play out on fire island and like you'd see the sh- him showering and be like oh i see yeah. why <laughs> it all that makes sense now. now you know and the lower class people would be sort of like normal looking people like me oh, <laughs> yeah. please. people with like Two abs. Yeah, exactly. Just because yeah. that's exactly how Pride and Prejudice is. I mean, they're still rich. They're not servants. You oh, know? God, no. <laughs> they have two abs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to talk about those nights that you do have sex in Fire Island and all of your other romantic sexy times mm-hmm. after the break. Oh, great. <laughs> Dave, yes. Are you and Ben ready to plan your wedding? Um, we're we're kind of not we're kind of not gonna do that. I don't well, think. Well, if you rethink it, you're uh-huh. in luck because Maribel May wants to plan your wedding. The great Maribel May, yes, played by the even greater Amanda Lund. Yes, her hilarious podcast miniseries is back for another season on Stitcher Premium. Mm-hmm. It's six episodes. It's called The Complete Wedding. Maribel is going to take you through everything you need to know to have a successful wedding, from meeting a man. That is an important element. Uh, to the wedding night itself. A lot of good guests this season. The wonderful Maria Blasucci. Yes. Uh, Matt Gorley and Mark McConville, Paul F. Tompkins, many, many more. If you let, let Maribel May plan the best day of your life, binge The Complete Wedding on Stitcher Premium. Just go mm-hmm. to stitcherpremium.com slash complete. Use the code homophilia for a free month of Stitcher Premium. We are back with Joel Kim Booster. Oh, hi, Joel. Hi. So, Joel, you mentioned on your stand-up special on Comedy Central, which everybody should see, Mm -hmm. that you had, uh, I guess at the time of recording, just gone through a breakup. Where are you right now? (laughs) So this is, like, embarrassing, I guess, because I – 
Um, that breakup happened like a year and a half ago. Um, and, uh, or I guess it had been a, yeah, a year and a half ago and we'd only been dating for like three months, but it was like truly the first really like not even relationship, um, sort of guy I'd been seeing that I actually wanted to see. (laughs) I don't know. This is so hard for me because I feel like, I mean, I came out at 16. I had more boyfriends in high school than I have had as an adult. Um, and so in a way I feel like more like I have experience in dating, but it, it felt so like performative in high school. Like I just yeah. wanted to have these boyfriends to have for the sake of having a boyfriend because I could go on MySpace and find them, yeah. you know? Um, and then I've been just, I've been single from like 20 to now 29. And when I was dating that guy, it felt like a first for me in a big way. And it was like embarrassing. It was embarrassing at the time, even whilst I was seeing him to be 27, I think is when we started dating and to have these feelings for the first time about somebody. Mm -hmm. And then it's been deeply, deeply embarrassing since the breakup to now still be like, I wouldn't say like actively heartbroken, but sad, Yeah, you know, and then to have like a benchmark for that. Cause the guy was like 20, he was 23. Wow. At the time, which was like below the threshold of what I wanted to be dating at the time. Because um, four years is not a lot, four and a half years, I guess. But 23 to 27, I think. Yeah, is the 25 actually, hump is are, pretty yeah. significant. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a big thing. A lot of life and experiences. Here's, here's, the, here's the big thing that I think is another added layer of humiliation is that uh, on our third date, he looked me in our eyes, my eyes post coitus and said <laughs> point blank that he would never be my boyfriend. And yet we continued to date for, wow. for two more months. And I held out hope, even though he gave me like, he set the ground rules for what it was. And, um, it, I don't know. And I still, I don't know, did that thing of being like, well, maybe it'll shift. And, and I tried to break up with him twice. Um, because I knew that it was not going to be good. And each time he convinced me, it was a weird situation where I'd be like, you clearly don't want to do this. And you'd be like, no, 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 no. Cause I think it was like a 23 year old, like wanting me to not dislike him, not to be uh-huh, mad at him. Uh-huh. I think it was like a concern of like, not wanting to like, you know, hurt somebody, Yeah, which is like a very, he's another Midwestern boy. And I think that's like a very, like that's in me too, which is why I don't like to date very often. But um, yeah, and it was just annoying though because I was like, oh, I could have, this could have been so much cleaner had we done this then instead of, actually it's funny, he, I was writing for Billy on the street when he broke up with me and he was meeting me on my lunch break and we were, our offices were right by Central Park and he took me to Central Park for like a picnic, quote unquote, mm-hmm. met Lewis and our other slash our other, uh, a couple of the other writers. And we're and literally, as we walked away, was like, is that the gay guy from Jeopardy? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and so then, and then we like sat on a rock and he, br- he dumped me there. And then I had to, I like went and cried in an H&M changing room for oh, 45 minutes and no. then had to go back to work and walked into the office that I shared with Lewis and, and he was, and everybody was like, oh my God. God, he was so cute. You know? oh, and I was like, no. funny story about that. Wow. <laughs> it's no longer a thing. And it's like, you don't, I don't feel like I have the right to be sad, as sad about it as I was because it was only three months and it's so hard to articulate. Right. I know you well, you're being very kind to, 
to say that on your podcast to me because I'm a guest <laughs> and you don't want me to storm out of here uh, in a rage. <laughs> but it is, it's just, it's hard to parse because I feel like at this point in my life, I should have had three of those situations yeah. happen to me. And what, what's the should? Where does that come from? I don't Who know. I, I'm, 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 I have always been since a child obsessed with milestones and, and goalposts and things like that. And I guess that carries over to, to this, to my, th- to the way I frame this situation in my brain, but it's just annoying. And I know because my friends, I think got really frustrated with me because I, I did sort of go off the deep end right after that. And they all were sort of like, this is upsetting and sad, but he was 23 and like not that great. And, it was three months. It wasn't a, even a, like a year long relationship. Like, why are you so upset and still talking? Like, why are you still talking about this? Is right. like, I, I think a reaction that I would get a lot. Have well, you ever had contact with him again since? Yeah, we've we still follow each other on Instagram, and uh, that sounds like a recipe for torture. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Um, and um, I've texted. We've texted a couple times. I oh god, this was really a disaster. Is the night. That, after the election, um, I well I got blackout drunk and fucked a Trump voter. That's one story. Whoa. And then um, okay. accidentally, okay. Oh, okay. God, I and then okay. no let every <sighs> everything else is gonna wait for just a couple of minutes Let's just... while we dive fully into this story. So election night, where were you? I was at the Duplex in New York City, which is a piano bar in New yeah, York. Yeah, ground floor, upstairs. Where were uh, you? Downstairs. My downstairs friend Henry was playing piano. Great. We, I just, uh, I was, I sang uh, somewhere that's green that night. Yes, you did. Um, you know, it was a big night for me, and um, we were all just drinking our faces off because we were sure. so like alarmed at what was going to happen to the country. I was in New York. I should have gone down to the fucking Duplex. Yeah, everybody was there. Uh, every gay comedian was there, and we were having fun. And it was truly one of those situations where it was at it was approaching three thirty in the morning, and I had gotten this message from this guy on an app, and he was across the street, and I was like, "Why don't you just come over here?" And in about fifteen minutes from meeting to uh, after after meeting, we left to go back to my apartment. I called a lift, and um, we were in the lift, and he said to me. Uh, how about this election? And I was like, oh, that's weird. I can't believe we ha- like we are just now touching upon this because it's so present in my brain. And uh-huh. I like went off on the screen of like, this is terrible. I can't believe he won. It's going to be a nightmare for the country. And he, um, and full disclosure, this is a, a stand-up sort of bit that I'm sort of regurgitating for you now, but it is uh, based on a true story. But, uh, and then there was a pause after I had gone on my screen and he just looked me in the eyes and said, yeah, but she's a criminal. Oh my God. (laughs) And I just, I like, I tensed up and it went on from there. And he sort of like very much laid it out for me. He in the, on the way to my apartment to have sex, um, said that gay marriage was pushed on America too soon. And I, I, and I, and I said to him in my drunken state, I said, you have to stop talking (laughs) because now we're now too close to my apartment for this not to happen. And I, and he was hot. So I was like, this is going to happen, but you must stop. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. words. But must did that cease. also give you a certain, I mean, was there like a, a hate fucking hotness yeah, to it? Yeah. Yeah. There definitely was. And he, and he did, he also kept trying to take the condom off my penis <gasps> as, as though I wouldn't notice. And I kept being Ew. like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it was like three condoms in that I was like, okay, you have to stop that. 
You wow. must stop that. Um, and then the next morning, I felt bad. He lived in a, in a like an hour away by public transit. So I was like, okay, yeah, you can sleep over. Oh, I have to Jesus. work in the morning though. So you can't like, it, you're going to have to go sort you of early in the morning. Comfy. Meanwhile, I didn't have a job. <laughs> um, and so I woke up the next morning and I was like, okay, I'm going to start getting ready. And he's like, okay. And like, was not getting the point. I went through my whole morning routine, like showered, got dressed, packed my bag and was like, okay, I got to go down and catch the train. Uh, do you want to come down with me? And like walked by my roommate doing yoga in the living room and then watched him like get on the bus, turn the corner. And then I went back up and my roommate was like, weren't you going somewhere? And I was like, no, yeah, no <laughs> I'm just truly trying to get this fucking photo. weirdo out of my apartment and then fell asleep. Um, wow. Back to sleep. Um, never just, to see him again. I'm I hope yeah, never, never to see never, him again. Never. I um, just, if you guys, after the, the gay marriage was, was like foisted on America thing, could you add it like a boing sound effect? Because both <laughs> Matt's <laughs> and my eyes went like really wide. I was and there's really no the way. Like, yeah. What is happening? There's no way to express that through sound other than some kind of morning zoo sound effect. So if you could add that. It's that all so good. insane. And, it's all, and the condom coming off, it feels like, like it's some weird, um, like like conservative ideas about birth control that are seeping into. Yeah, you know it what I mean. Weird. I I attract a lot of weird gay Republicans um, wow. online, like as opposed as, to what other kind of gay Republican. <laughs> there was like to the normal, well-adjusted people who disapprove of their own lifestyle. I got trapped. I like this guy found me because he watched the special and he found me online and was like. And he was hot. He found me on Instagram and messaged me. And normally I like don't see that, but I saw it and I looked at his profile and I was like, oh, you're hot. And then like I looked at his profile much deeper and he was, he's like one of these, like those NFL players are disrespecting our country and our troops and he's our president. Get over it. And I was like, how did you watch my entire special and think this guy is going to be like into me like it we would be a match it was crazy did you meet up with him oh yeah we i mean we've been dating ever since uh <laughs> no, no 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 we did not holy um, cow wow. all right well i'm glad we went down yeah that road well and then to make that day even worse for me is i went back to bed woke up and i had forgotten i had texted him in my blackout state at the bar just an innocuous question and um I woke up and I saw that he had texted me and it, I had forgotten that I had initiated the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, my God, he texted me. It's happening. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, and then I realized. And then I was like, oh, bummed out. And it's fine. I'm, I'm not a, – a girl that I wrote on Moshe Kasher's show, uh, Problematic, with – Gave me this good advice because I brought, I was like going, I was like knee deep in the breakup when that was, I was writing for that show. And she was like, someday you will look at his Instagram page and be like, he's so dumb. Yeah. And that's when you'll know you're, you're mostly over it. And I, it's starting to happen. He wears a lot of hats. Mm. Okay. And um, so that can go either way. Yeah. Starting to happen. Are we talking trilbies? Are we talking fedoras? Like little mini fedoras. Little mini, I don't even know. Cocked to the side? No. Like those little like bolt. Bowler, it's like a in between a bowler hat and a fedora. Uh-huh. Oh God, I hope he's not listening. To this. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he is. And um, I'll just say, I'm over this for you. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I got to tell you, um, this is a weird thing that happens though. That I that always happens. If I don't jerk off at the end of a night, and I like wait three days to do it, and then jerk off and then go immediately to sleep, I will have a sex dream about him. This has happened maybe seven times. So weird. You, Okay, you've had, a release has already shapes. happened, but yes. it was a release with buildup, and now you're. I mean, that's something to unpack. Yeah, yeah. Scientists, 
Oh, <laughs> we so have he's right in. We have none. Hey, so I also want to hear about these teenage boyfriends you had back in the day because you talk. I mean, you talk a lot in your comedy about having a really conservative I, family. Yeah. So, but I had a really robust sex life <laughs> in high school. I'm Inspiring. Super curious about like the rituals of gay dating in high school these days. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I am not the one to speak on it now. I'm, you know, a decade removed from that at but, this point. Uh, but, but a decade it, ago it counts happened. as these days for me. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm, but I got some years on you. It, uh, I mean, it was, I, I imagine it's much different now, but back then it was as easy as going on MySpace and searching for gay people yeah. in your area and other teens and like befriending them online and then going on dates. Like I went, so my first boyfriend was, this guy who was in sort of my cohort, I came out and then he immediately came out after me and then wanted to date me. And he was like a big star in the musical theater scene in mm-hmm. our high school. And we dated for a week and I wasn't really like that into it. And I was just one of those like, oh, we're both gay, so we should do this. Yeah. yeah. So we're each made other's dicks and things like that. I gave my first blowjob whilst a VHS copy of his eighth grade production of The Music Man was playing in the background. <laughs> Who was he? He was Harold Hill. Oh, of course he was. I mean, do you wow. think I'd go down on a Marcellus? <laughs> Absolutely no. not. Absolutely not. But, did your parents ever know about any of these? Before before reading it in my journal? Uh-huh. No. I don't think they ever. You're not bringing these boys it. home or no, taking no, no, them to no, prom no, no, or anything? No, no, no. no. Um, and then there was um, a guy who went to my sister high school who was um, a beautiful Asian boy that I was like deeply in love with. He had a boyfriend, though, but would cheat on the boyfriend with me. Um, and then a year after that the boyfriend hated me because he could sense that it was happening mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever knew and then a year later I dated the boyfriend oh. <laughs> well it's a small and community and then yeah. I met one guy off of um, MySpace that I like sort of saw and like made out with a bunch who I still talk to to this day he's a wow. very nice uh, guy in Chicago and then um, I met another boyfriend in high school my senior year who was a twin and was like lived in a, a neighboring suburb and I regretted it because his twin was so much hotter than really? him. Um, he's the f- he was the first of three twins that I dated in my time. First um, of three? Yeah. Wow. None um, of them connected to each other? No, 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 no. Okay. No. In fact, um, I was seeing this guy in New York who had a twin. Um, and that guy ghosted me after four dates, which I think four dates is too many dates to ghost yeah, a person yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Like. Two dates is too many to go. Yeah, I think like two Two dates dates is is, you need like, yeah, it's like that's then. And then once you hit three dates, it's like you got to be like, I'm not, this is not for me. Um, And then his twin brother messaged me on Grindr. And I thought, now what? This could go one of two ways. This could go like early 2000s rom-com where I'm like, I'm going to date the gay twin for revenge. Mm-hmm. And then I fall in love with the gay twin. And then he invites me to a family function and I have to confess everything. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and yeah. then we like don't see each other for three months and then he decides to forgive me and we get married. Or like late 80s, early 90s thriller where I like turn over in bed and I'm like, that's funny, Dan. You fuck just like your brother. <laughs> like single white female, that sort of situation. And I was like, that's too much. That's the, the fact that that's the possibility. I don't want to go down that road. So I d- didn't end up seeing it through to the end. But I did think about it because I was like, this is a dream. That took some maturity. Absolutely. Yeah. That took some restraint. It truly did. So dating in high school, are you – is there a basis system for sexual activity? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I there was no uh, penetration in mm-hmm. high school, okay. I don't think. Yeah. But are you telling your friends about it? And 
Um, I think I was pretty open with most of my friends about it. Um, everybody knew how big everybody's dick was after I was through, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Even the straight guys. Yeah, everybody. Everybody who would I could get to listen. Wow. Bold. Brassy. So uh, then you are outed but because your parents yeah. uh, discover your journal. Uh-huh. And you've written in the journal, I mean... Literally lists of every dick I've, I've sucked to date. Wow. And was it long at the time, the it list? It was like six or seven, maybe. Okay. And Which how old were for 17, I think, was pretty... Uh, impressive. Yeah. 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 yeah I got it in there. Yeah. Good I was work. really... I was on the ground, boots on the ground, doing the work. Sure. There. So how did, the, how did the parents react? Badly. Poorly. Badly. Um, uh, it, was, it was like a, a maelstrom of chaos and drama in my house for... Um, a couple, like a month after that. And then I moved out. Uh-huh. And um, you have a brother who's also gay? Yeah. Older brother who's also gay. Was he out before or no, after? After, much oh. after. And his, he's a much different kind of gay person than I am. How he so? is very conservative. I'm pretty sure Trump voter can't confirm. Wow. Loved Sarah Palin, uh, guns, etc. Is big into video games. Met his boyfriend, current partner on World of Warcraft. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, and uh, who I believe from what I've gathered from what my mother's told me is like sort of wealthy because I they he built them like a compound in Nevada. I don't know. It's I'm not super close to my brother for all the reasons that I just mentioned. Um, but so I don't talk to him very often about this. But it is strange. Um, and wow. so, how are your parents doing now that we've got two adult sons, both gay? Clearly, not a phase. Um, they, uh, I don't know. This is a, this is a tough situation for me. Cause like I'm on good terms with my parents now, but we, when I'm home, which is about like twice a year, um, because my sister had babies, that mm-hmm. is the big thing that has sort of tricked me into coming home a lot. Sure. Um, they, you know, I have really great conversations with my parents and then there are holes. Like we'll, we'll talk up to the point and then it'll be like, oh, this is where a normal parent would ask me if I'm seeing anybody. Right. And then there's just silence. And then we like sort of have to awkwardly shift focus somewhere else. Um, so I don't really know. And I and my I have a, a good friend that I've had since high school who's very close to the situation and knows every, all the players and everything like that. And she said something recently to me that was very wise, I think, that might be true is, um, you know, m- they might be waiting for me to really to sort of broach it. Mm-hmm. Because the last time we got into all this stuff, I moved out. So mm-hmm. they know that I am, you know, not behold – I don't care and that I will, you know, walk out if I want to. And so they might just be like a little gun shy about actually talking about it. And point. when you had that that blow up, it was because they didn't they couldn't, accept this. They didn't. They, yeah, they they weren't into it. And there was a lot. I mean, you can't be so as uh, suppressed as I was for so long, mm-hmm. and then not have like a lot of uh, have it spill over into every area. Of yeah. Just like you know, I had. Uh, uh, just a lot of issues with them and boundaries and things like that. And it yeah. just became a, to the point where the fights were getting too bad mm-hmm. to stay. Um, and it, and you know, when I was a teenager and in, even in college, I loved to play the victim in that role, in that situation. And, and there's a, there's a vantage point where I was, but it was so on both sides. I think it's hard to like blame my parents for all of it. Cause I was a difficult kid to raise and mm-hmm. I, there w- weren't any good answers. I don't mm-hmm. think at, at the time, but you know, 
I, I don't like to like now I, I, I frame it less in like they kicked me out of my ass and I was a homeless teen. Uh, and it was more like they didn't give me much of a choice but to leave. And I did. So, yeah. So where did you go at 17? Um, I, you know, I did the car thing in which showered school. I, I, uh, slept on friends couches. And then there was one girl in my choir class who, uh, we (laughs) did not, we're not friends. We sat next to each other and, uh, she's everyone in the school sort of knew that I was going through it. And she was like, if you need a place to stay, you can stay at my house. And I got desperate. So I went to her house one night and her parents were like, Sarah, you can't invite strange boys to just stay at her house. Her, her, her father's a paraplegic. Like there's a lot going on in that yeah. house. She has two younger brothers. So I stayed one night and talked to the parents and then, um, they were like, come back for dinner. And long story short, I stayed there for the rest of my senior year of high school. They wow. co-signed my student loans. They bought me a car for graduation. Wow. Sarah is now oh my still my best friend in life. And, um, yeah, so it turned out really well for me. And the funny, the ironic thing I is, is her dad, people is a pastor in our town. He's uh-huh. a Methodist pastor in our town. But they're, like, very progressive. And um, it was really great for me because, for me, when I came out to my friends my junior year and I was out that whole year but not at home, even then I was still like, well, I'm going to go to hell. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing I can do about that. So I might as well just sort of, like, live now freely and sort of openly. And then when I was living with them, that they eventually sort of, I must have said something along those lines and they were like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not how that works. And it was such a great transition like into being truly alone of like having that year with them where I could be a normal kid and they sort of made me feel normal and normalized my experience in such a way that like I didn't feel like I was going to go to hell and I could come home and talk about boys with her mom in a very normal way. And it just was like – Not because you were living with a bunch of like atheist hippies. Yeah. Yeah. These were were like – Basically, I mean, and they get and they get along with my parents in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways now. Um, but it's just that one area where they're sort of like and like they were like the kind of parents where they're like, listen, we don't want you to drink. We don't want you to party, but we would prefer you call us and ha- we'll come safe. and pick you up rather than the alternative. And mm-hmm. so and it was like that kind of freedom where it was like, this is so weird. Like my parents would never even put that offer on the table. And because of that, I rebelled even harder. And so Sarah was like such a much more well-adjusted kid than I was in a lot of ways because her parents were sort of like, you know, the appropriate level of involved in that. And so was church part of your life that year Mm -hmm. you were living with them? Yeah, a little bit. Their house was connected to the church, so I would go. But it was a much different kind of church than mine was. So, Do you go to church now? No. No, no, no. I would say I'm agnostic at best. It's hard to sort of divorce yourself from the entire idea of it mm-hmm. um, even now. But I don't um, – yeah, I don't believe in God, capital G, mm-hmm. anymore. Right. <clears throat> but it's weird. I mean all the dating stuff in high school, it's so funny because I was like so confident back then. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I got almost to the end of college where I was like, oh, I'm ugly. <laughs> like, Or not not ugly but like I didn't catch wind of the like – um, struggle of being an Asian person in the gay community until apps happened and then yeah. apps happened and it completely um, sort of reframed my idea of self-worth and um, in a big way because like it's so funny to me to think back of how confident I was as a teenager dating and like moving through the world like um, and like approaching guys and stuff like that I am 
and now to like think about the way that I sort of interact with gay men is so wild to me because I'm much less of that person than I was. And I'm just like, oh God, I wish I never would have dipped my toe in that water. Yeah. Because I, it's been what, bad for who, would I, who would I have been? And the thing is, is I try not to come down too hard on apps because I think, especially like traveling and being on apps and seeing how people do actually genuinely use them to connect with people when there are in cities where there aren't a lot of gay people where like the sixth person on the grid in your grinder profile is uh, 25 miles away, you uh -huh, know, yeah, uh -huh. that sort of town. And so like, I do think there is like a genuine, like really positive um, effect that these apps can sort of bring people together sure. in, a, in a great way. But then there's also this double-edged sword effect of making me feel like hell. Sure. And is that <laughs> still the, the case? Even when you're in LA and New York? Um, I, I test much better in LA than I do in New York in, and yeah. most other places, I think, because people are just used to seeing Asian people uh -huh. <laughs> on the West coast uh -huh. and it's less of a thing. And so I feel much more normal and it's less, there's less, I, I don't deal with as many like fetishy people who are like, bring me to a weird spot. That's sort of on the other opposite side of that spectrum. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. I, I was listening to the guy Branham episode a while ago and the way he um, articulated how he feels about his sort of station in life is that, is is similarly to how I feel is that the people that I do sleep with, I do not connect with on an emotional level mm -hmm. and I would not want to date. And it's so hard because the people there's like, there's a very slim number of people in the Venn diagram of people that I am attracted to who are also attracted to me. And then also I sort of connect with on an intellectual or emotional level. And so I feel like I could probably end up alone and I am the older I get, the more sort of, at peace I am with that. Cause I also like thinking about the way I handled the other guy, the 23 year old, it makes me sort of like dislike how needy I become when I am in a relationship. Mm. So I am sort of now at this point of like, I think I'm just healthier being alone. And but even when you're alone, you're clearly so not alone. I mean, your, your, your yeah. version of growing old alone, I would imagine, is, is much – Yeah, it's much different than it would playing be. Playing trivia yeah. in Fire Island. It's much richer. But I also don't – I don't know. I mean, I think it's – I hear you sort of beating yourself up for, for putting so much emotion into a short relationship. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you kept a lot of that – a lot of your need for a connection bottled up. For so long. Yeah. So then when there was somebody who you were attracted to, who was attracted to you, of course it all comes out. You yeah. know what I mean? And that could happen. That could happen at 16. That could happen at, you know, 40. It could happen yeah. any number. It could happen at any time in your life. And it's when that happens, especially for the first time, it does. it's irrelevant how long the relationship lasted. Yeah. What matters is the depth of the emotion. Yeah. Right? So that could be, that could be two weeks. You know, so it's a difficult thing to get over. And, and you've talked about this, Matt, like it's, you do love very strongly that first time. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I certainly did. Or that third time, which is the case for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but like the early, when, yeah. it, when it really, you really feel the connection that first time. Yeah, there it's, is something about those, the because this, I, I really identify with that. I had this kind of one breakup that the relationship was sort of neither here nor, nor looking back. It was like, it was really the breakup itself that represented so much about me and how, what I thought about myself and how much self-worth was put into that other person and everything that I went through afterward when I, I fell apart and was a fucking nutcase. Um, I'm so thankful for 
you know, and and looking back, it's like, oh, I don't even he's fine, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah he's, no. he's a fine person. And then he wasn't into me and whatever. But it was all the stuff that came after it that was so painful. Like I, the, the feelings were so much bigger on the B side of it than sure. on the A side of it. Yeah. But it ended up being really like valuable. Yeah. And you're in a kind of a loop that way because you feel it and then you you shame yourself for feeling yeah. it. And yeah. then you, you know, then you push the shame down and you're angry for feeling shame. It's just, I just don't, I didn't like, I didn't like feeling that needy. I didn't like feeling that invested. I didn't feel like. I didn't like like. Do you want to? I have told. I have never publicly told this story for fear Ooh. that he would hear it. Okay. Um. But this is how embarrassing it. I feel about this is that. So I said on the third date, he said he looked me in the eyes and said he would never want to be my boyfriend. And to get back to that third date, I was in Aspen doing mm-hmm. a, a taping for Logo, and there was this gigantic storm that hit New York. Snowstorm that hit New York. It shut down the East Coast, and I was supposed to go on a date with him on Saturday. Or our third date and I said I have to get back for this date I have to get back for it and so I made Logo fly me from Aspen to Pittsburgh rented a car in Pittsburgh and drove into New York drove into the storm that (laughs) shut down highways and stuff like that and it it should take about six hours to drive from Pittsburgh to New York it took me 13 because of the storm Uh I almost I truly almost died several times and like I was the only person driving There were parts of the interstate where literally (laughs) semis and cars were just deserted. It was like a post-apocalyptic movie, like swerve, like maneuvering through. Couldn't go more than 30 miles an hour for most of the journey because the roads conditions were so bad. They had given me – the people at Pittsburgh – at the car rental place, we're like, oh, my God, like, what are you doing? You can't do this. They upgraded me to an SUV because they felt bad for me. Uh-huh. And then they gave me an SUV with a broken windshield wiper. So I, <laughs> like, it was doubly bad. I made it into New York within, like, an hour of it being illegal to drive in New York. And then ca- dropped off the car, was walking to the train, called him and was like, hey, what did you want to do tonight? And he was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot that we were hanging out tonight. Can we do tomorrow instead? Which was honestly better because I had been up for 30 hours and needed to sleep and would have been a disaster anyways. Uh-huh. And then wow. next day we went on this really great date sort of like in the sort of blizzard-covered New York. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of it, after we had sex, was like, oh, by the way, like, I don't want to be your boyfriend. And I was like, okay. yeah, no, 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 that's totally fine. I'm totally <laughs> cool with that. Like, let's just be chill. I'm chill. Let's just be chill. Yeah. Um, and that's always been my problem is I don't have any chill, especially when I feel that way. And so I'm the last like year and a half of not meeting anybody that I even feel remotely that intensely about. It's uh-huh. been sort of fine. Yeah. Um, and I don't crave it in the way that I feel like I used to um, because it was just like I just don't like that person. So the image okay. of you driving through that that storm is like such and a, I'm not a good hero's driver, journey metaphor. <laughs> yeah. It almost does make me want to believe in God that God was like, turn <laughs> back. <laughs> like whatever, stop what you're doing. <laughs> this guy is not for you. But oh, wow. But that guy deserves love also. Okay. You know? Yeah. That needy part of you deserves attention. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Affection. Sorry, I thought we were talking about the 23-year-old. Not the 23-year-old. he does deserve Yeah, he might not. He might not. <laughs> yeah, but that part of you deserves attention. Great. And well, how, what about I, I know you didn't sign up for therapy. It's just the – I'm happy topic. to have You're it for. What, what about the flip side of it when – there? I mean there are guys that you're having like casual sex with who do want something more and you're like, no, I'm sorry. You're not. Yeah, yeah there's probably been a couple of guys like that. Um that I yeah, there's definitely been guys that I probably, if I wanted to, could date, but I've never been good at like just being in a relationship for the be- for the sake of it. Right. Like I can't, 
I can't force myself to that place. And I like my solitude too much to give up time for somebody that I'm not super into outside of a sex relationship. Okay. Could you pinpoint a specific quality in those guys that makes you go, eh, you know what, this works uh, for some things, but not for everything? Yeah, it's different for different guys, I'd say. But I think um, it's mostly – no, I, I think it's sort of an unquantifiable like quality about a person. It's just yeah. you either have that chemistry or you don't. It's I mean it's mostly about being like not funny or mm. not kind or um, not empathetic uh, in some ways. Because um, I always – I used to think like, oh, like if we liked the same things, like the same shows, same movies, same books, et cetera, yeah. if on paper – it's that okay Cupid idea of like, hey, on paper we have a 96% – you know, compatibility, compatibility yeah. rate because we both have the same political views and like the same shit. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the date and it's still, you feel nothing. Unquantifiable. Yeah. And you wish you were nothing. a hate fucking yeah. a Trump voter. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Rather they be hot. Joel, Joel, we could do this all. You yeah. have to come back. Yeah. You, you are unquantifiable. Back. Oh, yeah. stop it. Model Minority get it is on out iTunes. in the world now. Get it on iTunes. Get it wherever funny things are sold. Yeah, I'm, I promise it's less maudlin than what you've just <laughs> no. heard. This was no. great. This was great. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you You're for the having best, me. Joel. Thank you. Bye, guys. Joel Kim Booster. Oh, he God. brightens your day. I can't believe I got to podcast with him twice in one week. Oh, what a dream. Rub it in, why don't you? I mean... He's the best, and I uh, can't wait to have him back. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, we have a bunch of other cool guests coming up. Yes, We've we got do. Justin Sayre, James Adelmian, Jeffrey Self. Uh-huh. Other All people whose names don't start with J, too. Mm-hmm. We're working our way through the Js. <laughs> so stay with us, won't you? Uh, if you have thoughts, if you have, uh, if you have questions, mm-hmm. at Homophilia Pod is where you, uh, where you drop those off. Yep. Uh, if you haven't yet left a review, we sure would love for you to leave a review. Please. It definitely helps us find new listeners. Do that on uh, Apple Podcasts. We want to thank everybody at Earwolf, oh, Chris yeah. Bannon, Colin Anderson, Dana Wickens, Ryan Connor, the mm-hmm. whole family. Uh, ben Wise for the music. Yes. And you for listening. And you for being Dave Holmes. Oh, Matt. Thank you for being you. And and thank you, Kevin Spacey. Just kidding. Bye. <laughs> Dave, the Gallaghers are back and the struggle is real. Oh, yes. Homophilia is brought to you by the hit Showtime comedy series, Shameless. That's where everyone's favorite Southsiders are living life on their terms with no exceptions, bitch. Mm-hmm. William H. Macy, Emmy Rossum, Cameron Monaghan. Oh, a delicious snack, that one. Yes. The only place to see new episodes is on Showtime, so do it. Stream new episodes starting November 5th. Only on Showtime. Kick down the door, make your mark at Earwolf, Joe. Hey, we got a new podcast coming to Earwolf. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content. We play them with in-studio comedian guests and people that call from all over America. Mom, I'm on Dr. Game Shows. Don't talk to me. Oh, yeah. Mom will know what that sentence means. Bing bong. Oh, my God. You are a lazy egg yolk. Okay, weird. I found a human finger in the woods. Oh, my God. The little anxiety in the room right now i could feel it what's going on it's meow o'clock it's your boy professor meow makes in the hat that's gonna be a hit single i'm hosting it my name is joe firestone and this is manolo moreno that makes sense when they go manolo we go mano high check it out for family fun coming to earwolf october 25th great that really went off the rails but in a way that i think can work like and subscribe 
This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. Ah! Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.